0: I, I, I find it very interesting these days in which we live, and I want you all to just kind of hang tough with me for a little while. These days in which we live are amazing days. As pastor, I don't want you to miss the import of these days. I don't want you to live life and come to the end and have a lot of regrets I want you to see God's hand in your life. It doesn't matter whether you and I have had difficulty or somewhat an easy time. God's been with us. God's been with us through every difficult moment we've ever had. And when you begin to grow older, I love growing older. Some people say, don't say grow old. Hey, growing old is better than some other things. And so... I I, I like being older and growing older and finding that God is still working in my life, showing me things that I didn't know, and explaining to me me things that I didn't understand, and giving me understanding and and more knowledge, and I said, Lord, I want to live longer, not because I'm greedy for life or afraid to die, I'm neither. I'm neither, but I want to live longer to just have this amazing re- uh, interaction with God on this side of, of, the, of heaven. And I want us to enjoy our journey together. I was um, a young, t- uh, I remember younger, in my younger days, I, I, I think I was a very nice and impatient man at the same time. You know, some people can be impatient and ugly and me, but I was nice. I would get in my car, drive to our parents, and it was about six and a half hour drive. And I would say to my family, uh, they can remember, and I'm sure uh, our daughter's here. I would say, okay, everybody, use the bathroom right now, and, and use because we're only going to stop for gas, and, and we're going to get there. And I was always about the destination. And one day, and one day, my wife, I don't know if she planned it or if it was one of those things that just happened. She, was, she did not uh, do what I asked her to do. She did not eat before we got in the car. And we were about three hours down the road, and she says, I want to go eat. <laughs> and, and being the, the very, very man who was destination-oriented, I said, I said, okay, we'll, we'll get a hamburger. She said, I want a burger. I want to sit down and eat. I looked around and I looked around and I remember um, the children were small so I we went into uh, she said where do you want to go? I said where do you want to go? I wasn't happy. And so she said we want to go to this place. This when Luby's it was a great restaurant in those days. And so <laughs> but I, I I well well anyway Anyway, y'all know. We, we went in there and uh, she looked around and she said to me, "No, and what do you want? I said, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't really want anything to eat. I want to get to my destination. That's what I was thinking. I didn't say it. But I, did, I was there and, I, and, I, and the food looked so good, smelled so good. I punished myself. <laughs> I know there's not a male in this house that's ever done anything like that for me. I'm the only one. And so I punished myself. I did not eat. And I got in the car hungry and went, arrived at my destination and I was hungry. <laughs> one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is not just about the destination. I want you to learn how to enjoy your Christian journey. Enjoy your Christian journey. And that, that situation that was not so nice wasn't so pleasant for me, it broke something in me that I learned how to drive and enjoy my drive and not just be concerned about getting to that destination. So often Christians are destination oriented. We talk about heaven and heaven and heaven and we don't do those little things that God expects for us to do while we are on our way. And I want us to look at that in Romans chapter 11. It's been, you know, it's been a great day. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing as uh, uh, what, uh, concerning what we did today here. But I want to look at, at Romans 11 in a different light. And I'll probably have another message on Romans 11. I'm trying to get out of that chapter. But what happens here in Romans 11, God is explaining some things so that Paul would be able to talk about the faithfulness of God and how God deal uh, uh, deals with Gentiles and Jews. I found it very interesting this morning when I I began to think. I thought, whoa, we have this conflagration in the Middle East right now, called a war, a conflagration. It's a it's a terrible thing. You know what happened. Uh, uh, maybe about eight days roughly ago, that we uh, woke up to news that Hamas, Hamas had attacked uh, the West Bank and gone into some kibbutzes and murdered uh, uh, men, women, and children and cut their throats. And we heard uh, about those things. And then the next thing, of course, uh, we, were, we had hostages and Americans had died. And I was thinking, about God and how he, he moves among us with his invisible hand, and he's always doing something. He's always working out things for us. He's working on our behalf. You know, there's a song we we sing, I think Sister Stephanie leads that, uh, when you don't see it, he's working. Something like that. How does it go? Yeah, yeah, he's working. and. and even when I don't feel it he's working and, and, and he never stops working and that's what God wants us to understand that he's working I told you about uh, I feel like I'm going to be a storyteller rather than a preacher today but I, 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 one time I, not that long ago maybe two years ago three, three, maybe two and a half I, I was—I had some things that God was working in my life and I said, I said let me call uh, 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 the secretary and so I I called the Secretary of Explaining Things, and I said, I, I said, I said, hey, God, this is what God said to me, da-da-da, uh, what do you think about it? And he said, God is talking to you in patterns. And I remember that day. It was a very significant day because I realized that God was always talking, but I was not always aware of what God was saying. And sometimes I knew what God said, but I still didn't know what God meant. And so God was working these things out in patterns. So he's working these these patterns out in our lives so that when we come to ourselves, when we awake to the truth of God, when we begin to know who he is and what he's done for us, we'll begin to see these undeniable patterns in our lives that, that say to us, God is with you. Or they will say, I am with you, child. And so it doesn't matter how bleak things are. All I want to know is that God is with me. Uh, I said recently, we went on one of our missions trips, and I won't mention the country. I've mentioned it it before, but not here at this juncture Well, I mentioned the country. But we had armed guards from the the day we, we got off the plane. We had armed guards. They ushered us to our hotel, and they made sure that we were in this barricaded Uh, hotel and we and they came to get us with armed guards and and uh, they were were, were going with us everywhere we were going somebody says well you know it's going to be all right pastor because he sent you i said no that's not the issue it's not the issue that uh, i'm going to be all right because uh, i'm going to come back because god sent me that's not why i went i went because he sent me it doesn't matter whether i come back or not all i want to know is did he send me And God is working in our lives and all we wanna know is, we should want to know is, is he working? You know, that's what I wanna know. Is God's hand here with me, navigating me through all these troubled waters and going through these difficult places? That's how we should live our lives, knowing, did God send me? Is God in this situation with me? I don't mind going through the valley of the shadow of death. All I want to know is, are you with me? Yeah. Somebody said, well, if he's there with you, he'll bring you out. Yeah, he's going to bring me out. i come from an old school church and where they used to sing a song, and maybe some of you remember, he brought me out all right. Now, this is what God wants us to know. And, and as I look at this message of Romans 11, and I'm thinking, God, uh, this is amazing that, you're talking about Israel and, and Romans 11, the Gentiles and the Jews. And I happen to be on this this amazing chapter and I couldn't get out it. So what I'm saying, I couldn't get out of the chapter before now. And what I'm saying is, is that God is working things out in your life. You have to yield to God and don't put human hands to it. When we look at Romans 11, they're, they're, I'm not going to go back there but I'll, so much as read the Scripture, but there are some words I want you to remember, and one is cast away. Has God cast away his people? Has he repudiated them? Has he done away with them? And you and I don't wake up on a Saturday morning when Hamas has attacked Israel and killed innocent women, men, women, and children, and then make up our mind as to where we're going to stand. We don't wait until those things happen. No, I went to bed knowing that I, I went to bed in the truth, and I got up in the morning in the truth, and I know that the truth is Jesus Christ because he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and he goes further to say, nobody can go to the Father except through me. So he says those things. So you and I as being what I call the last days churches need to get our act together and stop being so politically motivated about things and, and issue-oriented. No, 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 no. See, You see, not, none of that stuff saved me. None of that stuff could save me from who I was and, and what I had done. No, but Jesus saved me. Yeah. And I have an obligation to him. And this is the last day's church. Paul talks about it. I'm going to get into the specifics of it right now. But Paul talks about, about the last day's church. And, and he talks about the last chur- day's church being backslidden. And it's kind of difficult to see that. Now, there is the remnant. Okay, don't, wor- don't worry about it. But the, the visible, the outward thing, is, is messed up in so many ways because we, we, we're fickle because we are listening to too many voices and we have too many alliances in the world system and there are things that we have concluded are really good about the world system, but I don't find anything good about a rotten apple. I don't find anything good about it. so when we talk about these things i'm always talking to you why because you are those people if you would come into my office you'd see this picture of of these cowboys riding the river and uh, you are the ones who are riding the river with me and i with you and i want us all to get to our destination I want us to get to our destination. So God has not cast away his people, Israel. He has not cast them away. And then there's another word election. that means God uh, God's right to choose, God's right to choose. God chose Israel to be his people. He chose you to be his people. So we don't I don't have an issue with him choosing Israel because he chose me too. Right. And in chapter and I get this I get this in chapter 11. You see, God was working with the whole world, and the whole world was crazy. Everybody. So you, you and I are all cut from the same cloth. By the way, I'm not angry. Do I sound angry? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So the whole world was crazy. The whole world was crazy, and so God found Abraham, a man who was a idol worshiper. He he got Abraham, and he called Abraham, and and he said to Abraham, he says, In you, Abraham, uh, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed so God called Israel out shepherd but sometimes we get that all confused and messed up but he called them out and began to work with them and he worked with Abraham Isaac and Jacob the patriarchs he was working with them and and then their progeny uh, their offspring their children uh, many of them just went away and so Paul uh, tells us in chapter 9 that uh, that um, all of the other children are not accounted as the seed he tells us that you know So so then God, God, God's Israel is, is special. God has called this people group, but he says, everybody who are of them are not them. That's basically what he's saying. And then he says that in in Isaac shall your seed be called because he is a child of promise and you are of promise as well. You see, you have to look at the way God does these things. You and I don't have to be like natural men and start to choose sides. I can't stand that. As your pastor, I can't stand that. God has brought me from a, as the old, I feel like the old folks. Now, I don't know why I'm feeling like the old folks. Yeah. Remember that song, he brought me out all right. He brought me out all right, you know. So God is going to bring you out all right, but you have to sometimes stay when everything in your carnal man wants you to run away, you have to stay. There are times when I've wanted to run away from the blessings of God because they weren't easy. They didn't come to me easy, and I wanted to run. But I'm a, I'm elected by God. I'm chosen by God. So how is it that I can be chosen by God, but I have a problem with choosing? I have a problem with election. And I've got to find some theological benchmark to attach myself to because somehow I... I have a problem with God electing. Well, who has a better right to choose to elect than God? Somebody who is totally perfect in all of His ways. He is, and and He chooses. I trust Him to choose. Even if He were to say to me, "Depart from me," I say He's righteous, and I'm not righteous. I can remember being in a in a bathroom in a shower, having uh, having. decided i wanted to just have a different kind of a life for a while and, and i wanted to enjoy whatever these things that i was saying to god and he had me in the shower and i my mortality it was faced with my mortality had an encounter with god after i had jokingly kind of lovingly mocked the prophet who gave it to me uh, he's not coming back to my, my encounter with god and I made some comment, and I laughed, but I was in the shower, and my mortality was there. And God says, I'm going to take you now, because you want these other things and I, that I don't want for you. In so many words, he said that. He says, so I'm going to take you. And I said, don't take me. He was going to take me. I said, don't take me. Don't take me. Not now. I've not finished what you called me to do. Don't take me. And he said, I'm going to take you. I said, no. I said, I would rather go to hell than to face you not having done what you called me to do. That was not a bluff. That was a God moment. It was a God moment that I was there and I knew this loving, righteous God who loved me so much that he gave his son to die for me. I knew that I was going to disappoint him if I did live life my own way. And I said, full-throated, Meant every word of it, I cannot face you in disobedience. And so we cry out to the church, God's people, let's stop doing our own thing. You know, you may say, Well, I believe blah blah blah. If it if it's not in accord with scripture, blow it off. Don't walk that way because we are living in these last times election of grace is what I want you to look at election of grace that is that God chose you in his grace and he brought you to faith and those well-meaning brothers and sisters who talk about faith 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 as though they're experts in faith they're not experts in faith they start talking about my faith and what my faith can do and you need my faith and blah 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 and they don't know that it's not my faith it's not your faith it's the faith of God and it's the faith of God that comes in me toward God It's grace that gives me that faith, and that that faith brings me into more grace, and that's from God. This is what God wants us to do, and so regardless of what he does, he's righteous in it. I want you to never forget the election of grace. And then whenever you are in, your, in the throes of uh, difficulty, whatever those throes are, your you're, 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 you're life is not what you wanted. It's not what you ordered. It's not what you signed up for. It's painful, and you have to keep going. I know what that's like. Some of you know better than I what it's like. But I know when everything in you is screaming and crying out for relief, and God is not giving you relief. I know what that's like. 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 And crying out to God, this is what you have to do. You have to keep going. You keep going by faith in him, knowing that God is a good God. God is a good God. God has never, ever left us alone. And so you, those of us who say, well, I find good in this situation or in that situation or in this substance or that one, I would say, Walk away from it. When you've gone so deeply into pain, remember the divine response. Remember, I want you to know every one of us has had an Elijah moment. Every one of us has had an Elijah moment. And if you haven't had an Elijah moment, you're going to have an Elijah moment. Elijah was was, uh, doing really well. He was, he was an amazing prophet. He was doing really well. He had invited the prophets of Baal, a Baal, or however you B-A-A-L. He had uh, invited them to come to uh, the mountain, Mount Carmel, where he was going to have a showdown—a showdown with them. They were false, and uh, and so he called them up up on the mountain. And uh, the prophets of Baal was there. Ahab was there, who was married to a real bad girl, Jezebel. She was a bad girl. She was bad. Yeah, she's bad. <laughs> one, one time I was preaching in, in, in her uncle's church, and, and I was preaching, and I said, must have said something pretty good. And uh, he said, say it again, Reverend. And I was a young, young boy preacher. I, I didn't know. I said, am I supposed to say it again? So, so, so. <laughs> she was bad. I'm going to tell you what, let me tell you how bad she was. She, she was so, she was so bad that this great man of God, Elijah, brought 400 prophets of Baal. He's a, he's a mighty man of God by himself. Got 400 prophets of Baal in there, up there. He said, he's mocking them mocking them and the king is up there Ahab the king mocking them you know call on your God you know and they called on the God to come down with fire and uh, and light uh, a light upon the sacrifice and prove that he is God and they couldn't do it and so he and so Elijah got uh, his sacrifice ready and and pour this is in a drought he pours water all around and all over soaks everything up calls upon his God and God comes down with a consuming fire and 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 uh, consume the sacrifice Which says I am the living God You and I are As it were that Elijah In that sense where I would call some, I have called us the Elijah generation The generation that speaks the truth And stands on the truth And this is Elijah So you don't need to be out there In that world system I don't get my information from CNN Or NSNBC Or Fox or HLN I get my information on my knees. I get my information when I'm praying to God. Hallelujah. And So Elijah, back to that story, Elijah is, is, um, is, is, is now showing that, that his God is God. Yahweh is God. And so he comes up and he, he kills all the prophets. Uh, that was a different dispensation. He kills all those false prophets. Whacks them. He smacks them. And so Jezebel got word. She said, hey, go tell. Her. And my, my, the, the moral of that story is, no, let me get to the moral. So Jezebel sends word to Elijah. She says, you tell him that by this time tomorrow, he's going to be like them. And that guy, that bad faith-filled prophet is running for his life. Running for his life, go hide in the cave. That's how bad that girl was. He knew that girl. That girl was bad. And he's in the. He's in the cave. He's crying out. He said, "Lord, you scared man, You just been. You just had one of the greatest miracles in the whole Bible, in the existence of the earth. And now this girl is scaring you." See, we've had these Elijah moments. May I have been a woman, may I have been somebody else or something else. And he said, he said, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. And sometimes we feel like we're so alone because there's nobody in my situation. But he, says, he said, What is the divine response? It's a divine response. I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have never bowed to Baal. Is good. You're not alone. Hallelujah. There are others of us. Who are with you? There are others of us who are with you. And then then the, the scripture talks about uh, Israel in verse 11. It talks about uh, Paul, it wants everybody to know that Israel's rejection is not final. Israel's rejection is not final So I found it very interesting that, that here I am Trying to get through chapter 11 And I'm still in the midst of chapter 11 When Hamas now attacks Israel And kills innocent men, women, and children You say, oh, are, do you hate Hamas? I hate what they did too. I, I hate what they did so, are you for Israel? Yes. Yes. Well, are you for Palestinians? Yes. I could be like Paul. I, I too, am a Palestinian. You know, I, I grew up in Palestine, Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm for what God wants. So, But here in this case, he says... Israel's rejection is not final. And this is what he says. Have they stumbled that they should fall? And that that question is uh, that they should fall means beyond recovery. That means that they have fallen ultimately and they can never get up again. No, no, they have not fallen beyond recovery. So Paul's answer, he anticipates—he gives you the answer, certainly not. He answers for you, certainly not. And what does this mean? It means that God, God's rejection of them was temporary, temporary. They are still his people in this context. But Paul goes on to say that through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to us, the Gentiles. It's to provoke them to just. So your life is not to be spent choosing sides. Okay, I'm on. I'm on the quote-unquote side with God. In other words, I stand in the truth, and I'm always saying to you, stand in the truth. That way, you won't mess up. You know. You know. F- facts can change. Truth doesn't. And so, stand in the truth. He says, so your one responsibility is not to have this attitude, I'm standing with this one against that one. No, because because remember I told you one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Joshua comes into the land of Jericho. He's over near Jericho, and he sees this stately uh, warrior and, he, and so Joshua is a man of war himself, and this is, but this is a supernatural-looking warrior. But Joshua, not like DGL, Joshua approaches him, and I'm going to say, Lord, who is that? You know, but Joshua approaches him. He says, are you for us or our adversaries? He said, no. That should be every Christian's answer. You're for this one or for that one? No. This is what he says. For, but as the captain of the Lord's host, I have come. I have come for God. And whatever God wants, that's what I'm for. That's the church. That that's, must be our answer. That must be our answer. And, 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 and if that is our answer, then it speaks of, of the, something that's real that has happened to us. In other words, our reality is Christ, not religiosity. And so I want to say to all of us, your responsibility is not to do do that side taking. Your responsibility is to so enjoy uh, the blessings of God, so enjoy Israel's treasures, Israel's wealth, so enjoy that they become jealous. That's what you should be doing right now. Not like the church that Paul describes that, that, that is, is a weak, fledgling, last days church, that is the outer church. But we know that, that we are the core and that, and that we are the true church, those of us who believe and trust Jesus. So he says, to revoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And so salvation has come to me and I want every Jewish person who knows me, I want them, I want them to see me enjoying their blessings. That's your responsibility. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah. Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah. Now, now, listen to what Paul says. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, wealth, wealth, great wealth, like the wealth of God, not so much silver, gold, and stuff like that, but the wealth of God, peace, and joy, and long sufferings, and patience, godliness, in all, in all uh, uh, ways. He says here, now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure, riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So what Paul is saying is that you and I have experienced God in amazing ways, masterless ways. We know things about God that people in other ages never had an inkling of. They never understood the things that we almost take for granted now. Sonship, being like God, living forever, having, uh, calling on Jesus to come. And he comes uh, from heaven, from his throne. And, and when he comes, we see him just like he is, he is. And suddenly, instantaneously, we are just like him. They never knew stuff like that. They never knew stuff like that. And then we waste all of this on taking sides. Truth does not take sides. Truth does not take sides. Amen. And these are things we must walk in. Why? Because my job is to make them jealous. Let me tell you a quick story, and I will be coming to a couple of minutes at, at, uh, at the end in a couple of minutes. Uh, I remember I, was, I told you the story, but I think it's appropriate at this time. I was, in this city, uh, Mayor uh, Lloyd Neal and I were friends. We weren't just buddy, buddy, chummy, chummy, but we were close and friends. He respected me, I respected him, and he would always call on me to come pray, and he wanted me to pray uh, in a meeting called the State of the County. And so I was, uh, I'm sorry, yes, but it, I think it was, it was being had at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And so when I got there, when I got there, uh, I was judge. I'm yeah, thank you. He was judge, judge. He was county judge. And so he had been mayor. He was county judge. So um, I I was sitting there. Oh, my goodness. You know, I I sort of, I can't resist. Maybe he's trying to show off that I speak a little Spanish. And so I, I thought, man. I should have developed my prayer in Spanish. And so I sat there at the table really quickly and just wrote out some things. And, and, so, and, and then it was time for me to pray, so I had to quit. And I walked up, and I started praying in Spanish. And, man, everybody's eyes were open. and Wow. And, uh, and then I said in Spanish, I said, uh, I've said, i I've spoken enough uh, now in Spanish and said, for the sake of, the, of these gringos, uh, let me. <laughs> Let, let, let me go back to the English <laughs> so I said that and I spent my prayer and so everybody laughed at the end of uh, and I and I prayed of course full-throated in Jesus name and I sat down and, and a young Jewish woman came up to me and she was angry and she she, uh, she was uh, clenched jaw and she said some of us you are Jewish you know I said wonderful Wonderful. And I told her about how I was. We, we love Israel. We love Jews. And we, we even built bomb shelters, you know. I said, We love you. We love you. Oh, and I just kept up, totally disarmed her because I wanted her to know I'm enjoying your spiritual blessings. I am. And that's our job. Our job. So I, I want to let me. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me stop there. Let me stop there. This is what the scripture says, that if their fall, the Jews' fall, is riches for the world, and their failure, riches for the Gentiles. How much more? Their fullness. And Paul is saying to all of us that when they come in, the earth is going to come alive like never before. But I don't want you to think that that the body of Christ is a gentile body or a Jewish body. It's neither. You see, in Christ there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. I don't want to leave you on a cliff. I want to in Christ it doesn't matter. Because we're one body. Yeah. You're right, there's no male, there's no female in Christ. No Jew. Let's walk out of here today. Let's take a another look at this whole thing. And we're gonna know what the end's gonna be. We're gonna know what the end's gonna be. We're gonna know. Because I think we're coming closer and closer and closer. We've told you that. I want to give Nathan a shout out. Um, I told you about the patterns that God has shown me. And I didn't recognize them. I just, we were just talking. And from that moment, I've seen so many patterns in my life. Undeniable patterns that God is saying what he's saying this pattern was just a small pattern but it's still a pattern the one i just explained to you about romans 11 but another pattern is, is, is our brother nathan was talking about on the on the announcement about the 50th i just live like the 50th year of ministry somehow 50th year of ministry and uh, it's a jubilee and this month, the shofar is going to be blown, inaugurating Israel's 70th jubilee, 70th jubilee's pattern. And, and the day after their 70th, our, our finishing the 70th week, Of fasting, Israel's 70th Jubilee is ushered in. I called Nathan one day where we were talking. I'm just gonna give him a little shout out because I take a lot of them away from him. But we were talking and finished talking. I'm sure his wife could test it. And so he called me back in 15 minutes and I thought, oh, Nathan. Calling me back, boy. We gotta pray, you know. But he called me back, he said, hey, hey dad, guess what? Guess what? He said that somebody told me about Israel's 50th Jubilee. He said, We're this is our 50th Jubilee fast, and we are coinciding with these dates that predate us. And it's another pattern. And so the more you see these patterns in your life, the bolder you will become to know that you could not have orchestrated it. And that's why I'm saying to all of us here, we're not orchestrating these things and we're not talking just because we are, you know, excited and, you know, shouting and all that. God is doing something in the midst of us. And, and and we're reading these things in the Bible and we're part of the story. I wanted to say that to you. Thank you for being patient with me. And we, we love you and we're going to, we'll come back. And I, let me just say, if you want to make Jesus your, your Lord, I mean, come to Jesus. Uh, and you say, oh, look, I don't want to live the way I'm living. I want to come to God through Jesus. I'm going to come back in just a minute and we'll, we'll talk about that. And you'll have an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. And the reason you want to, because you're going to live, you're going to exist forever. We are, we, we cannot, we will never truly die. Our body will. You're going to exist forever. The question is, will you live forever? Will you live forever? And that's why Jesus Christ is the eternal life. And we're going to offer him to you in just a moment. Pastor Martin.